When someone is talking to you, what should you do? No. You should get your phone out and you should check your email. Right? You should check your Facebook, Twitter. You should get something to eat. You should play a video game. No, you guys said something first, and I didn't listen to what you first said, but I kind of heard it. What did you say? Listen. So I see my grandson, Huxley's in the audience today. Huxley's going on four years old here, coming in October. And when he was over at our house the last time, I was trying to talk to him, but he was watching a movie. He was watching something on TV. It was Spidey, wasn't it? And I'm like, Hux, hey, Hux, hey, Hux. Hey, Hux. Hey, Hux. And he was tuned into that movie because he was not listening to Paul. Fast forward to yesterday, and I just want to let you guys know, uh, my wife and I, we're empty nesters now. So we're sitting in the living room, or I was sitting in the living room with something on TV, probably some sort of sports, don't even remember. And I heard Julie talking. Now, I, I thought, well, you know what? Maybe she's talking to Snickers, our cat. But he was in the basement. And that's really giving me more credit because I really wasn't, wasn't even really paying attention. Finally, I hear, Sean. And I'm like, yeah? She goes, who did you think I was talking to? I even had to say your name. And I'm like, yeah, so like, you know, like grandfather, like grandson. <laughs> Families, we, we, that movie, by the way, is about a family from Colombia. And in, in a lot of other cultures, family is held at a much higher esteem than it is in the United States, or maybe even in Western culture. And, and one thing that good families do, what I mean by that is maybe healthy families do, is they talk and they listen. And so Mirabelle comes along in this movie. She's the main little character. That's, that's her right there, the little balloon, if you haven't seen the movie. And she doesn't get her gift. All these other family members, as they come of age, I think it was five when they get their gift, they, they approach this door, they turn this handle, and this door turns kind of into what their gift is, if you will, or at least the image of it on that door. And as she goes to open the door, turn the, the doorknob, it, it disintegrates. And you're like, oh, you feel, you feel terrible for her. But what you later discover throughout the movie is she used her gift and really gifts. The coolest thing about Mirabelle was she was curious about others. She didn't just focus on her gift and her, her individuality. She had this compassion to look towards her family members and see below the surface. See that something else was going on behind or below their wonderful gift that they got. We come to discover that that's one of her gifts is to be curious. And she does that with Antonio, her cousin, on the day that he's about to get his gift. He's, he's fearful. You see them hovering under the bed, and she's just talking to him and listening to him about his fears. She does it with her two sisters, I think Isabella, and I always forget the other one's name, Louisa. How could I forget Louisa? But she sees something going on in them, and she questions it. 
because she wants to get to know them. She wants to know their story. I collect old books. This is not one of them. This is just a book. It happens to be the Bible, but it's just a book. This book, if it's left like this, what kind of book would you describe? What adjective would you call that book? If it's versus this. What kind of book is that? That's an open book. What kind of book is that? Let's try that again. Okay, that's enough for today. Mirabelle wanted to know her family's story, her family member's story. And with Louisa, she sees something. She sees this little eye twitch, and so she starts to question Louisa. You know, it really doesn't matter how old you are. We all face pressure. We all have some stress in our life. I connect with a lot of families around here at Show Creek, and I know that there are a lot of kids that are dealing with a lot of stress and pressure in their family. But we all have it. Another way to think about it is we all have a dysfunctional family. I've heard people say, well, I came from a dysfunctional family. I'm like, okay, didn't we all? I mean, we are all, all our families are made up of human beings, and all our human beings, we're all broken at some level. So we all have some level of dysfunction. And what Mirabelle was great about doing is she was able to look at her family members, her sisters in particular, Antonio, her cousin, and see that something wasn't quite right. They all were doing something that this family did really well, except for Mirabelle, and they, they were image managing continuously. They had to uphold their gift, and that was what they had to focus on, and what they could do, not who they are. When I think about the pressure to be something good, to be like Isabella, to be perfect in every way. That's a huge load on anybody. But when you think about a small child, I can remember when I was a kid, for some reason I had this insane thing in me that said I had to be the best at everything I did. And if I lost at a game, my brothers, if my brothers were here, they would laugh. They'd say, you couldn't lose at a game. Because if you lost at a game, somebody had to cheat. And I'd say, let's play again. Let's play again. I had this desire to, to beat you, to, to be the best for some reason. Because I, I felt unloved, I guess. That's me thinking now, not when I was 5, 10, 12, 30. <laughs> when we don't invest time to talk and time to listen... Time to ask another person questions. And if, they give it, if you ask yes or no questions, then you hopefully come along with, well, why? Why would you say that? When we don't seek to, to explore our family members like we would a book, then the story is never told. And our compassion doesn't grow because we don't know anything. And then we start to assume things. And that happened in this movie a lot. They made assumptions about one another. They made assumptions about what would happen and it was all based on falsehoods because they didn't explore one another. And a lot of times in our families, and it starts probably with the parents, when we don't do that with one another, when we don't talk, when we don't listen, when we don't take our phones and set them down or turn the TV off, when we're always busy about, you think about this, I can't think of the times we ran our kids to places 
to go do things so that they could experience something, or we could experience something as a family. But those didn't outweigh the times that we sat down at a meal. Julie and I made that a huge requirement in our family because we wanted to explore one another. We found that way more important to sit across from one another at a meal than we did necessarily to run them all over creation to go to the next event. That doesn't mean we didn't involve them in things. They certainly did. But trying to balance that, because when you don't do that, the number one thing that happens in a family and in any relationship, in a community, is conflict. What emotion are you feeling right now? Is it discomfort? Is it pain? Is it sorrow? Is it I don't care? It's just a movie? For, the, for those of you that have seen the movie, this is a pivotal moment, right? I mean, conflict in human relationships is going to happen. For those of you that are newlywed or thinking about getting married, and this might, you know, your first kind of real relationship or something, I hope someone sat down with you and said, conflict is going to happen. When we do premarital counseling around here, we intentionally try to cause some issues during that eight weeks. Because we don't want you to get six, eight, ten months down the road and go, we're fighting a lot, and so we should move towards divorce. And it's like, no. You take two human beings and put them in such a close relationship like marriage, there's bound to be conflict because they're both selfish people at the core. So now you take a family, whatever size family that is for you, and you put all those people together, there's bound to be conflict. Some conflict can be avoided. Some conflict needs to be resolved. And in this case, the conflict was caused because neither Mirabelle nor her, her grandmother, excuse me, Abuela, neither of them really explored the other. Neither of them sought to go and find the open book. And they started making accusations against one another in that scene. But what happens after? Does anybody know what happens after? Mirabelle runs away. And she, she goes to and sits by a river. And it just happens to be the river that at the start of the movie, Abuela loses her husband as he tries to fight off the marauders, the people invading their, their, their town. And he fights them off long enough that protects them. And so he sacrifices himself. And Abuela follows her. She pursues her granddaughter. She sits down next to her. And guess what they do? They talk. They listen. They, they open each other's book. And they begin to understand. Mirabelle's like, I had no idea all of that happened. And her grandmother begins to unpack her and starts to understand that she did receive a gift. And it's not just this gift that everyone should focus on, but it's the person. It's who we are. We are each created beings, created in the image of God, the Bible says. So because of that alone, we have value. But the two of them began to talk, and it was just an amazing thing as they, as they began to connect and understand one another's stories. I'd like to bring up Colossians. This is coming out of Colossians 3, 12 through 15, and I'm going to read it. You can read it with me if you so choose. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, 
kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Jeff, can you leave that up for a second? I wish that I could tell you that every one of those amazing words up there, tenderhearted, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, defined my family. At times they did and do, and other times they don't. But this is still something we are all called to. We are called to love one another that way. And the smallest Christian community, if you will, is our family. And so I would encourage you, let's start there. Let's start right there, being tenderhearted and merciful and kind and, and humble and forgiving and Mirabelle, her heart, I just love this little girl's heart. Can't believe that I like a Disney character that much, but I, I just think it's amazing the heart that she has. And there's a line, it's either in a song or something she says early on in the movie where she says, I'm going to stand to the side and let you shine. And I thought, wow, what, a, what an amazing thing. It reminded me of the spirit of the Trinity, even though I said we were not necessarily going to talk about that today, where the Holy Spirit is constantly pointing at Jesus. And Jesus is pointing at the Father. They, they're so other-centered Thanks, Jeff. You can take that down. So I have a, a question for you and then maybe, maybe some, some help. How can you open up your family member's book? How could you do that if you're not doing that well right now? Or if you're not doing that at all? How could you begin to say, you know what, I want to know more about you. If the folks in the audience, yes, if you could hand those handouts out. We're going to give one of these little handouts coming around, one for family. If you want two, that's fine. we got plenty. And, and you, you're welcome to engage it. Look at the side that says five ways to connect as a family. And I just want to talk about that and maybe share some stories from our family. As that's coming around, the number one way that I think our family connected, maybe not number one, but one of the best ways we connected was our mealtime. Even through our children or our kids, all the way up through high school, even with Zach being involved heavily in baseball and sports and Kaylee being involved here with music and, and her art and photography and stuff, we had dinner together at least twice a week, probably even closer to three times a week on average, where we sat across from one another and we didn't just eat. We asked a question. Often it was this simple question, what's your high and low for the day? Because it got us talking. And if, if you've ever been a part of our family, uh, I, I remember when Grant, that's my son-in-law, when he first came around our family, and so Zach and Taylor, that's my son and daughter-in-law, and, and Julie and I and, and Kaylee, we were all in the kitchen. And when our family gets around food and in the kitchen, and, and nobody was sitting, I don't think, either. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, there's not a lot of listening going on. With the five of us. It's just like, people are talking, and there's, you're in two conversations, but you're, you're kind of listening. And I remember Grant sitting back like, what have I got into? <laughs> but the, the point is, eating together is one of the easiest ways to connect. 
And so often in our busy, busy lives, we don't sit down often and we don't eat together. And so that's just one of the most basic ways to just begin to ask some questions. What's your high and low for the day? And if you flip it over and look at the other side, there's two questions that I'll, I'll draw out from that other side. What are you thankful for? Or what's your biggest challenge you're facing today? I love those two questions. We have them in our discovery groups. We have them in this family discovery group, which, which is what's on the back, the little DNA strand looking thing or stop signs. Dinner time. So for the kids in here, I encourage you, ask your parents, your mom or your dad or your parent, whatever, your, your guardians, whoever you're with, ask them to eat a meal together. And I challenge you all to turn your phones off during that time frame. I'm a guilty person, trust me. This afternoon, we're going to go to our house. We're going to celebrate my wife's birthday from last week. And I guarantee you, I will have a desire to flip the TV on and have some sporting event on, regardless if I care to watch it or not. It could be the Pittsburgh Pirates and the St. Louis Cardinals, two teams that are terrible and I don't care about. Just kidding for you Cardinal fans. I find myself turning something like that on just almost as background noise. And it's like, why do I do that? And when that thing goes off, we actually have greater and better interaction as a family. I will say this. As parents, we have to lead this effort. Kids may ask. I encourage you kids to demand it. But we have to lead the effort of being open and being aware, especially the younger our children are. One thing Julie and I tried to do, we were talking about this yesterday as we drove up to Chillicothe for a, a gathering of friends who've moved. That's an hour and a half drive. I didn't realize that, but it was, it was a good time for us to talk. And we talked about how we were just an open book to our kids, especially when they were younger. And, and what I mean by that is they didn't have to ask us questions. We, we just talked about our lives in front of them. She said, yeah, she had a friend who said, oh, I would never show my kids my checkbook. And I'm like, I would totally show my kids my, well, checkbook, my bank account. Because if you're hiding something in there, then what else are you hiding? So it, it starts with the parents to be open, to be authentic, to be real, to be genuine, to be honest. Because if you can't do those things yourself, you certainly can't expect them of your kids. Because your kids will model what you do way more than they will model what you say. Especially if the two don't agree. So lead it. Share your failures. Share your successes. I can't tell you how many times I've shared failures, especially with my son, especially in the realm of lust and pornography. And it was a good thing. It wasn't a good thing that I did it. It was a good thing that I admitted it so that it helped him understand that that's an issue that God wants to, to challenge in my life and in his life. We shared our finances. We shared when we saw something on a television show or a movie that we didn't agree with. We'd talk about it. We wouldn't just tell them, no, don't do that, don't think about that. We would engage it. And that starts with the parents. The other one is obey together. That's the next thing on your list. I don't know how to tell you this. I wish that I had done this. I wish Julie and I had done this when our kids were much younger. But we didn't discover this till Roy brought this back, this discovery group process, which is what's on the backside of that page. Well, we finally started doing that. I don't know. Zach was either in early high school or somewhere in that range. So Kaylee was three years younger than him. Where we would get together once a week, typically on a Sunday afternoon, and we would ask those two questions. What are you thankful for? What's the biggest challenge you're facing right now? And then we would open up a passage from a reading plan. We would read it together. 
we would discuss it. We would create what's called an obedience statement or an I will statement. So if this is God speaking to me through this passage, this is the way we understand it as a family, I'm going to do this differently. Or I'm going to do this about it. I can't tell you, that revolutionized me trying to get my children to read the Bible. Instead of telling them, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. Dad, where did you get that? Where, where does it say that in the Bible? Go look it up. Instead of doing that, which I've said many times, and I even bought them the Bible. Some of you have heard me say this. I bought them the Bible for every stage of their life. Bible for zero to three-month-olds. Bible's for three-month to six-month-olds. Really? The, the best thing we ever did, honestly, was opening the Bible with our kids and letting them see us wrestle to obey it and succeed and fail and receive grace and forgiveness. I remember the first time Zach showed up for that, or maybe it wasn't the first time, he showed up with his phone. And quite honestly, it chapped my hide. I'm like, where's your Bible? He's like, Dad, I can access every Bible <laughs> in every language in every version, right here from my phone. Oh, okay, I'm an old guy. I'm telling you, it was really cool to watch God's word impact our children way more than our words, even way more than our actions at times. So we call that Obey Together, a discovery group, and that's on the back. Pray Together. This is one that I, I didn't keep up as long as my wife did. My wife, Julie, would go and pray with the kids and have like a... I don't even want to call it a quiet time. It was just a moment where the day was winding down in each of their bedrooms separately where she would talk with them, ask them questions about their day, just allow them to unwind. There was no TV on. There was no phone. And then they would pray. She would or they would. And we would pray at meals from time to time. But I watched my wife consistently pray with my kids or I heard her praying with my kids. And I can't tell you how important that is probably should have my kids up here to tell you that praying together as a family unites us there's a vulnerability even praying with your spouse there's a vulnerability that comes about share together as i said before there are a lot of families that are way worse off than we are maybe than you are there's a lot of kids that are dealing with a lot of stuff in their life that they shouldn't have to deal with but that's the brokenness of our human relationships and our human families so what better way than to invite them maybe over to your house to engage them? Let them see how your family is succeeding and failing at following God. Be open and honest and real and transparent with them and let them know how much God loves them. And it doesn't just have to be the kids. It could be the parents. It could be the family down the street. When we share what God's doing in our lives with others, they go, there's something about that. And that works way better than telling people to follow Jesus to invite them to see what he's doing in your life. And the last one here is serve together. When I think about, uh, there's a book that I've read where this father was not real happy with his teenage daughter and who she was dating at the time. And uh, so he decided that the family was going to go on this trip somewhere in South America, I believe, go on this mission trip. They saw that the lack of education in the country that they visited was really detrimental to a lot of those kids' growth. So they wanted to do something about it. So they began to, how could we build a school? How could we figure that out? The daughter just attracted to that like a magnet. She was like, that's what I want to do. And as they got back, she lost interest in the dud. Because she, had, she was on mission now. 
And the father initiated that by having them serve together. When I look back at our children serving around here, both our kids still serve around here from time to time. Zach has two kids now. You know, he's involved in a family. I get that, but he serves from time to time. Kaylee serves from time to time. Julie's serving down in ABC Zone. Well, not today because it's closed, and thank God you're all in here. We just watched, we just encouraged our kids and really expected our kids to serve. We wanted to be on mission with them. We discovered something long before I was on staff here at Shoal Creek. Shoal Creek, the people, impacted our lives. God used the people of Shoal Creek to change our family's destination, to change our family's compass, to follow God, to fail, to succeed. And so we want to give back to people that come through those doors, these doors, you, watching online. Find a way to serve together. It is amazing what it can do to a family because you can unite around a mission. It may not be the same way you serve, or you may not serve in the same thing, but encourage your kids to serve. I just want to finish by talking a little bit more about Mirabelle, and then I'll be done. They talk about this, and actually we're going to show this, so I don't want to give it away too much, but they talk about her gift being that she kind of like kept the, uh, the magic from going away or the miracles from going away. But I kind of disagree with, with Disney on this. I think her, her gift was explained and displayed through the entire movie. She was curious. She valued others more than she valued herself. She was willing to step out of the limelight and let the light shine on her siblings, on her cousins, on her parents, on her grandmother. Was she perfect? No. Did she hold some things against her grandmother? Yes. Did she eventually explore her grandmother? She did. We are each a book, but if the book sits on the shelf like that or like that and never is opened, then we don't really know one another. And I encourage us all to get to know one another. And if you're doing this well in your family, invite someone else into it. If you're doing this well, lead a group around here and help other people begin to explore their story. Because we all have value for who we are, not on what we can do. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for family. I thank you for my family. I thank you for the guidance and direction my parents gave me and still do. I thank you for my kids. I thank you for my new kids. Taylor and Grant, I thank you for Huxley and Renly, my grandkids. I thank you for family. I'll probably mispronounce it, but when I think of La Familia, I want us in this country, in this place, in this space, to really value family way more than we tend to do. We are such a nation, a country of individualism. We, we love to toot our own exploits, and the reality of it is, it's not me, 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 me. It's we, 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 we. Thank you, God, that your other-centeredness, your willingness to sacrifice your son, to break up what we call the Trinity, you just call it you. You opened our eyes with him coming to this earth. I pray that that changes who we see ourselves as. We see the value you placed upon us by hanging your son on a cross. And that we can live not to try and be perfect, but to be holy like you. And that your grace and your spirit can call us out of our sin, 
forgive us for our sin and rejoin your family. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.